Welcome to The Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast, helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day, despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut-up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. I am your host and chief shut-upper of Making Shit Happen, Bernie Shum. Now, on to today's episode. There you go. <laughs> All right, and we are live again for one of the newest episodes in the Shut Up Show 2.0. I'm so excited today, you guys, because I have an amazing co-host with me today, which you guys have seen before, and you've heard me talk about him a million times, which, by the way, Srini, um, you owe me about a million dollars right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I should really <laughs> just hire you to be my publicist. <laughs> Woohoo, pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, as you guys can see, I've got Srini Rao here of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, and he is um, somebody I'm so happy that I have met within the last 18 months. I think it's actually more than that. But, Must be you know, by now, yeah. I, I think so. I've been saying 18 months, but it's been like 18 months since I said 18 months. But, but basically, um, real quick backstory for those who are just joining us now and you weren't part of the uh, Shut Up Show when we launched in 2013, but April 2013 is when the Shut Up Show first launched and uh, my friend Phil Gerbishak and I started the show shortly after I'd been listening to this crazy guy on what was called Blogcast FM and I'm just like oh my god he's doing some amazing stuff interviewing really really cool people talking about really inspiring stories and it helped me get through to every single week as an entrepreneur and you know Srini as you and I both know it's it's an arduous journey and it's it can be very very lonely Right when you're doing the stuff that you do day in and day out to run a business, and mm -hmm. listening to your podcast um, pretty much on a daily basis because I had a lot of catching up to do over the years, um, I, I grew closer and closer to wanting to start my own show again. Um, so we fast forward, you know, a couple of months later, I decided enough's enough. I'm going to stop telling Srini how to do his show, <laughs> and I'm going to stop giving Srini all of these opinions because he's doing just fine the way he is, and I'm going to start my own show. And you were very supportive in that process when I launched the Shut Up Show. You came on as one of our first uh, top ten guests. And uh, like I said, it's been such an amazing journey to be able to share this experience with somebody like you, Srini. Somebody who gets it and who understands that, that not only operating a business in the connection economy that we're in now, but also selling yourself and selling your products and services can be so challenging, but you mm -hmm. don't have to do it alone. So with right. that, you know, welcome as the co-host. Uh, kick it off with your thoughts about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, the thing that you, you really mentioned uh, is this idea of the connection economy, right? Uh, I think that one of the, the sort of common misnomers is that you can sell just based on large numbers. Uh, that, hey, you know, I have a massive email list, so it'll, it'll convert to X number of dollars. And what's happened is that we've gone from uh, sort of a world where that was actually true to one in which everybody has a microphone and everybody can create. Uh, so now all of a sudden what we start to look for is trust uh, in a way that we never have before. And so as a byproduct of that, uh, you, you find situations like our, our good friend AJ Leon who doesn't have a massive empire per se, 
but for some reason he has a fanatical one. And I think that what you're seeing is a sort of a fragmentation of the web and you know what Seth Godin effectively refers to as tribes, where tribes are really forming in different corners of the web. And, uh, and, and the thing is that what most people don't like to hear is that that takes time, uh, a lot of time to, you know, build trust. I mean, you know, as, as you, uh, you know, and some of your listeners may know, you know, we recently had our first event, uh, and it was a smashing success, but then it's easy to say, okay, well, Srini just came out of the gate in 2014 and put on an event in which 60 people showed up to us. Like, well, not quite, because what has happened is that we've spent four years building enough trust for people to say, okay, you guys have delivered for four years. That's a long time to, to show up. Um, and not really ask for anything big, and uh, so we 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 have confidence. I mean, one a perfect sort of um, story I think that demonstrates this is one of our attendees at the event. She said, you know, I didn't even see it as buying a ticket. She saw it. At, she said, I saw it as an investment in helping you bring something really cool to life. And that's that's a really interesting distinction, right? It's it's not you know they don't see it as a purchase, but they see it as an investment or you know. Um, basically, there's there's that element of trust, and I think that that's something that is is very misunderstood. Now, you know, obviously, you you have to make money, you have to run as a business, and how you balance those two things is always kind of the the challenge of of that's the age old challenge, right? I mean, it's it's kind of you know, I was watching this documentary on Johnny Carson, and and you know, Conan said he's like you know the balance the the, the the balance of art and commerce is always one that's very, very complicated. Uh, you know, so why you know somebody like a Leno or somebody like a Conan has a run-in with you know NBC's executive because the executive has a bottom line to meet and an artist is a creator, uh, and those two things have to play together in a way that actually works, and that's that's not always easy. Uh, it's in fact, I think a lot of creative types tend to neglect that, uh, and that's that that can be dangerous too, but. I think really more than anything, uh, you know, I look at everything we do and I realize part of why we have what we do uh, with the audience that we have is, is trust. Uh, it's a lot of trust. It's a lot of transparency. It's, it's showing up over and over again, right? You know, if you, if you look at Seth Godin, it's like, why do you trust Seth Godin as an authority? Well, he's written something like 6,000 blog posts. I mean, 6,000 blog posts, multiply that times 365 days a year. Uh, I mean, do the math. I mean, it's thousands of days of showing up, you know. And if you show up for thousands of days in a row, the people who have, you know, been there and witnessed it all will suddenly say, okay, well, uh, you know, you've built an insane level of trust with me uh, because you just keep showing up. And that's that's something that I think is, is really overlooked. I think that we we want quick results and we're impatient and we want things to happen fast and we don't want to do the, the work that is required to get it. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's not perfect. It's not easy. Uh, it's painful at times. But then, you know, Greg always says, he's like, yeah, you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience hardship. But you're also going to have fun. You're going to have joy in your life. All these things. And, and the question is, how long are you willing to basically do the shit work uh, until you get to experience those things? Right, right. Gosh, yeah. I have so many, so many follow-up questions. So I think one I want us to get back to, but I don't want to dive into that now, is how do you balance the engineer and the artist, right? Because I know you've talked about that before. I know I've talked about that before, and I know that's something that does play out um, for somebody who is selling online, right? Because there is a science to it, but there's also an art to it. So balancing the two I know can be pretty challenging. But where, where I want to take this conversation next and to find out from you is what do you think you were doing wrong? Um, let's, let's 
let's back up a little bit farther and then kind of move you know towards now but when you were still in sales because I know you talked quite a bit about when you had sales experience mm -hmm. what did you do wrong then or what didn't you get right at the time then and then as that as that you then shifted into broadcast FM and maybe you still weren't getting it quite right but then now obviously with this the, the massive success of unmistakable creative you know podcast and uh, instigator experience you definitely are getting it right now um, can you kind of pinpoint what has shifted and transformed over the years yeah there's there's a lot of things I mean I think the if we, if we look back at the earlier sales career uh, it's, it simply comes down to I just didn't care uh, really I, you know it was why why didn't you care uh, because I was selling things that didn't have any meaning to me you know it, this is something that really I think a lot about um, in fact I said you know like 90% of the world wouldn't be like 90% of people would never be impacted by any of the work that I that I was doing. There was no there's no significance to it. I didn't feel that my contribution was really meaningful. I was just making money and, and not even that good of money. You know, a, a boss told me once he said, you know, we, I don't think we'd miss a beat if you weren't here. Uh, and he was right. I mean, he was absolutely right because I wasn't into it. Uh, and 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 the thing is that that's so that was one thing, right? I think it's it's very different to be selling something you care about. You know, I remember calling people for the instigator experience, thinking, "Wow, I'm doing the thing I hated so much before," uh, which was calling people on the phone and asking them to give me money uh, for a product that I'm selling. But the difference this time is I'm selling something that I've created with my own two hands, um, something that I've concepted. And so there's that element of it: is do you care about what you're selling? Then the other element of it is that do you care about the people that you're selling it to? You know, the the success of the instigator experience is not based on how many tickets you sell. It's based on what happens after the event, as you probably heard me say in, in an interview, yeah. um, where somebody asked me to reflect on it. But uh, so so there's that element. Uh, I think when when you look at uh, you know where we went wrong with Blogcast FM, and this is sort of the curse of the of the creative. Uh, that that I see over and over again is we didn't sell. We didn't sell enough. You know, it was it was like, oh, hey, here's this cool thing. Let's just give it away for free forever. Uh, we didn't knock on the doors of sponsors enough. We, you know, I mean, there there is an element of this in which you have to be. You know, you said the artist and the engineer, but you have to be the artist and the entrepreneur. Um, and really, I think what what Greg Hartle has really taught me is is that I have to be. You know, I mean, I have to be willing to do the things that I really don't like to do for a while until we're big enough to the point where I don't have to do them. I have to go and knock on the doors of potential advertisers. Like things don't change. You know, it, there's this sort of myth that you know success is just handed to you on a silver platter because you keep showing up. But it, the th the other thing is that there's no there's no point at which you get to become static because what you're creating is a living, breathing thing, right? It keeps evolving, it keeps changing, and so I think that you know, with Blogcast FM, the the myth was, I mean, we we kind of just were like in reactive mode as opposed to proactive mode. We we were like, okay, we have this cool thing, but it's not really a business. Um, we weren't treating it like a business. And now, I mean, and treating it like a business, honestly, is not all, it's all the stuff that you hate doing. It's not fun. I mean, it's looking at your numbers weekly, um, looking at your bank balance, looking at, okay, what are we going to do? What are we gonna, who are we going to hire? Um, how are we going to grow? I mean, how are, how is, how is, you know, unmistakable creative going to reach 1 million people within the next year? Uh, you know, how are we going to get to the point where 2016, it's a viable enough media outlet that a presidential candidate wants to be on the show? Um, because we have that kind of power and influence and, and that's, you know, and, and that's not for everybody. Um, but I think we've, we've positioned ourselves that way. And, and I think it, it's about having something to reach towards. And then there's of course, um, the whole sort of mindset thing, right? Um, uh, 
where uh, this is this this I, I I honestly can't take credit for. This is very much a, a Greg Hartleism, uh, if there is such a word. But you know, he 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 talks about how your temporary circumstances and your permanent identity are not intertwined. But yet, what happens is they they do become intertwined. And I think for me. Uh, what what was happening was you know the external reality of my life was starting to become the internal narrative of oh I live at home this is ridiculous I'm 35 36 when well, now I'm 36 and I shouldn't be doing this this is such a, a bad reflection on who I am and it's 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 such a negative thing and of course that manifests itself in what you're willing to do and when I realized those two things were separate that's when I you know that's when you start having the guts to say you know I'm gonna put something like the instigator experience out into the world and I'm gonna see what happens and I have no idea how I'm gonna pull this off and it's strange right but you know eventually the people all the parts somehow aligned I mean everybody who needed to show up for me showed up because I was willing to do that so there's I think the the mindset aspect of it um, and then there, the one other aspect of the mindset is I think that I you know um, somebody told me recently she said I think there's a gap between your self-perception and what others think of your capabilities uh, which was really a compliment because I honestly I, I was like yeah that's true I mean I think that gap is becoming narrower and narrower um, not in an arrogant way but like I know I'm good at what I do I know that I'm extremely skilled as an interviewer and a storyteller uh, and I know that when I get somebody on the air it's going to be a conversation unlike anything they've ever had, um, and I'm going to get things out of them that nobody else does, uh, and that's constant. And if I don't, I'll scrap the interview. Like if I feel, or I will say no. I mean, I've said no to some very, very high-profile guests because I knew that I was, I could just sense that they were going to come with an agenda, and I'm more interested in I want to get you to open up to me in a way that you don't elsewhere, and I will turn down, like. You know, today on the show, we're airing an interview with a guy who robbed 14 banks. I listened to that. Oh my God, <laughs> it was so good. Seriously, one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and and so now I think what has happened as a byproduct of doing this for so long is I I've developed <clears throat> I've developed sort of an intuitive perception of what I know are going to be hits. Like I can predict even before we air the episode. Like I emailed Meg Warden, I said, hey, listen, I know you're friends with Joe Loya. I said, um, would he be good, a good interview? I said, I'm very curious about this story. And she said, uh, hell yeah. She's like, he was a bank robber. I said, okay, done. That's 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 it. <laughs> I was like, there's got to be an incredible you know, lesson. I mean, the guy is, is I guarantee you that that is going to be one of the most popular episodes of the entire year. Then there was the woman from Renegade Mothering, the, the fatal flaw of being human. I knew instantly when it was done that I had a hit on my hands. It's kind of, you know, one of the, the companies that I've been very morbidly curious about is Pixar because I want to, like, how do we create the Joel effect or, or you know, the Meg Warden effect with every single episode, right? And that was the question we sat down and asked in, in January. Um, so I think there, there's that element of it, right, is refining what you do to the point where you start to believe that, okay, you know what, I know I've got a gift for this that is, a li I've got a gift for this that I think is well above average. Um, and I actually believe that now. Uh, like I believe that I am definitely above average when it comes to this. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, I always tell people who, who want to be interviewed by me, I'm like, listen, I'm like, I promise you an entertaining and engaging conversation. You know, we had the, we haven't aired this yet, but I interviewed the guy who, um, the math genius who hacked OkCupid okay to find the love of his life. <laughs> and, you know, I like, but the thing is I can direct a conversation and create a thread that most people can't, um, because it's, it's a talent and skill that's just been developed. And I still, I still think it's not perfect. I mean, it's, uh, one exact, one other example I'll give you, um, there's a, a 
uh, another documentary on Netflix called Michael Jackson, The Life of an Icon. And one of the things they talk about is how he wanted to go down as the greatest performer of all time. And I think that we can kind of indisputably say that if you ask, you know, what is Michael Jackson's legacy, he is absolutely the greatest performer of all time. Like, you watch him on stage, there's something magical about that. And so I thought about that a lot, and I said, you know, I mean, if I wanted a legacy, I want people to say I was the greatest conversationalist in the history of the web. That's that's really what I'm aiming for, something that is so ridiculously out there and crazy that people are like, wow, that's almost almost hubris is what they'd say. So those are those are some of the elements of, of what you're asking, I guess. Uh, that was right. a very long answer to no, uh, and it. No, and it totally makes sense because what I extracted from, from that story is actually two words that pop out to me, um, which you didn't mention. But number one, I think that over time you, and I didn't know you, by the way, prior to 2013, I believe, or 2012-ish, mm -hmm. rather. Um, but what I'm led to believe from what I know about you and in talking to you uh, both online and kind of privately, you have shown so much vulnerability and bravery to be that open and that vulnerable with people. And I feel like if that wasn't something that you already were doing before, I feel like that was the barrier that you had to break, right, to help yourself take your life to the whole next level. Yeah. And, and, and I'll say the second word real quick, and then I, I really want your feedback on that. But then the second word, um, oh, my God, I think I lost it already. <laughs> I totally think I lost it already. So we'll just stop there at the one word, and if I can remember sure. the second one. But, but what, what do you think about that? Is, is, there some, is there some truth to that vulnerability piece? And, and kind of take me through that, because I really feel like that's how you cultivated this new community, Sweeney. Yeah, there's, so that's, that's a really interesting uh, point. And, yeah, there's no question. And it's, it's interesting, right? because you keep pushing and pushing and then you get to the point where, where I'm at now where that actually has to be handled very delicately and, and there's a balance between taking it too far and um, you know I mean we've we're at the point now where we're, we're building a big media brand right like we've got assets like the instigator experience which really I mean it's that is one of our most powerful assets based on the conversations that have happened so that has to be handled delicately but yeah absolutely I mean I think it's it's really about owning your story um, as, as Joel like to like to say I mean if, if a bank robber can come out and you know do what he has then you know what is what is your excuse but yeah I think it's it's really you know sometimes you have to cross the line to figure out where it's at uh, which is another one of those things that I like to say but then, you know, then comes the idea that, okay, and, and again, you know, these are things I'm learning from Greg. Like, I'm having to learn how to be a CEO of a company, which is a whole different ballgame now, right? Because now it's no longer Srini, the guy who writes these daily updates on Facebook. It's Srini, the CEO of Unmistakable Media, which, you know, I mean, if we're talking about building what we are and, and really taking it to that level, then there's a, an interesting balance that happens there. Like, you know, knowing how to be vulnerable, but also being conscious of, of what you're choosing to share uh, and, and really, I mean, being intentional uh, about these things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that what, we, what we're drawn to is, is authenticity, no question, right? We like the fact that, okay, again, here's what I think that that does. Uh, is, this is what it comes down to more than anything else is relatability, right? Somebody asked me, why don't you share your income reports? And I said, well, one, it's nobody's business what my income is. But... I think that what happens is that we can see that, and no, no criticism to the people who do that. I mean, you know, they've they've done well, and a lot of people, you know, benefit from them. But if you're at the beginning of a journey, and you're, you know, you haven't even made a dime, how can somebody who makes fifty or sixty or seventy or eighty thousand dollars, how do you relate to that? And so it creates it almost, in some ways, there's a backlash to it, right? It it actually 
creates the opposite effect instead of, of the one you've intended, at least in my mind. You know, and some people will see that and say, okay, cool, it gives me a goalpost to aim for. But, I mean, if you've never made a dime and your goalpost is $100,000, you're setting yourself up for, for failure and disappointment. You know, it's, uh, I mean, even Sean Acor talked about this, uh, you know, in our, our re interview with him. He's a happiness researcher. He said, you know, your brain accelerates towards a goal based on how much progress you think you've made. And if you've made no progress and the goal is $100,000, well, you know, and, and so the vulnerability thing for me is all about relatability more than anything else. I want people to say, okay, you know, this guy is is normal. Um, he's he's relatable. Like I can I can see that underneath this you know presence that that we know him for, there is actually a human being. And here's here's you know one of the things that I get asked about often is as how you start right when you don't know what to do. And I'm like, well. That's you know the age-old question everybody asks that, and it really it's so simple to me. I, I just I have a bias towards action. Um, if I have an idea, I'm like I'll figure out how it'll work later. I mean you know it was Greg talked about this. He said I was at Misfit conference before we left the conference. I had already built the page for the Instigator experience. Like who does that? You know <laughs> most people are not like if I'm I'm sitting there while some people are thinking about their ideas. I'm telling everybody about my idea. And what's funny is there are people. I was sitting at a dinner table at Misfit, handing my iPad around, saying this is what I'm working on. And some of those people, two or three of them, were actually at the Instigator experience. And that was almost a year ago. Maybe yeah, uh, yeah, about 11 months ago. So, so there's that whole sort of bias towards action. But the reason I bring that up uh, is that you know, under underneath all the sort of fancy, beautiful websites and and this you know beautiful room that we put people in. I mean, if you boil out, boil down the essence of what I did, I um, and I, I've told this story before to some degree, but I, I I think it's worth it bears repeating. I plugged a microphone into a laptop. I found a way to record the conversation I was having, and I found a way to post it somewhere and put some notes up about it. And that's really at its core all we do like that's the essence of how we started um, it's and and so that's that's something to think about as well yeah I'm I'm totally cheesing because as I was remembering what the second word was you said it um, in your response and it was the relatability factor um, I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit about Greg Hartle as well because I know that he uh, has played a huge part in helping you take um, Blogcast FM to what it is what is now unmistakable creative but when I first met Greg and I may have not told you this before I met Greg in 2011 online and then in person in 2012 before mm -hmm. I even knew about you and your work and um, <clears throat> excuse me and Greg was doing a bunch of amazing stuff you know with ten ten dollars in a laptop and on his journey he would write about like I can't afford contacts right now so I'm walking around like I can't see like that was one of the things he said mm -hmm. and and because he touched me so much and he helped me so much in the little time that we got to know each other. My first think, thought was, as soon as I have extra disposable income, I want to send him some money in PayPal. And it, and it wasn't because Greg said, "Give me money," because I'm right. good at you know helping with entrepreneurs. It was, it was, "Hey, how can I help you? Here, here, here's some advice. Oh, hey, who can I connect you to? Here, I'm going to connect you over here." And so when it came time for me to hear the story about how he doesn't have contact lenses and he's homeless, I'm just like, I want to help this guy because I love him to death because of the contribution he's making in the world, the contribution he made to me. Nobody, you know, I'm a nobody to him, right? A stranger. But I wanted to help. I wanted to pay him. I wanted to find an excuse to give him money because I so believed in who he was and, and the impact that he was making. And so, you know, fast forward a couple, you know, several months later, I meet you 
Same thing, Srini. You know, I may have not told you this before, but there were times when I kept looking on your website going, does he sell something? Like, I want to buy something from him because I really love what this guy's doing and how he's helping me. And I don't think he realizes how much he's helping me. And Srini, when I went and looked on your website and I didn't find anything I could buy, I mean, I think I downloaded a book or something. Mm -hmm. I was like, how can I give Srini money? And I think it goes back, this brings the conversation back full circle to us talking about selling in the connection economy. It's, it's not about finding trickery and and like you know magic formulas and and these quick schemes to get people to click the buy button right it's about getting into the hearts of these people and making an impact and making a contribution mm -hmm. so much that by the time you have something to sell they can't wait to click the buy now button just like the people who wanted to be a part of the instigator experience they were like I am not paying you for a ticket Thank you for choosing me to give you money so I can be part of that experience. So, so I completely agree on the relatability factor, and I and I completely feel like the reason you're able to sell more compellingly now than you were back then is because you give a shit about what it is that you're doing, and you're making a contribution in somebody's life that far goes beyond the money that they're ever going to pay you for your help. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a that's a wise observation. I mean, like you said, it, it comes down to: do you really do you care about what you're selling, and do you care about the people that you're selling it to? Um, and I've never really phrased it that way, but that's that's a good way of thinking it. Uh, I may have to write about that. Well, absolutely, you do. I think you had a Medium post once or something somewhere where you talked about. Uh, no, it was your book. It was it was a small army strategy before you even had the the amazing success with the the book that followed that, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but but um, you you said something like you realized that you just had to give a shit. Like you seriously just had to give a shit, and that's when life started changing for you. So you know, to kind of run out our conversation here, I do like to get a little bit tactical. So what is one huge piece of advice you'd want to you know impart on the audience before we leave today to help them to be more compelling in selling in the connection economy screening yeah you know I mean it goes back to me towards the the bias towards action right uh, if you have something um, you know there there's you know there's certain like I see people who get stuck in concepting and I, I'm not one of those people because I have to actually act in order for the concept to, to reveal itself to me. And, and so that actually works to my advantage, I think. Um, you know, I, if you have something, right, buy the domain and build, build the simplest website you can. Like, just start with something so that you can start getting feedback. Like, when we, when we threw the, the, the landing page up for the Instigator experience, there was no idea of what this thing was going to be. It was like, hey, here's, here's some inspirational psychobabble of, hey, we're going to make a dent in the universe, and we're going to change the world, and this is going to be unlike anything else you've ever been to. And that's all, that's all I had to say about it. And I was like, okay, are people actually interested? I, have, I don't know. But, I mean, are the consequences of failing at that really that dire? No. I mean, and th there's a lot of things that we've, we've done wrong like that, too, that just didn't work. You know, I mean, I, I mean the amount of failed projects that are in, in my back pocket, um, I have tons, and I'm sure there'll be more. But, and, but the thing is that that's, that's what I would say is that find a way to act um, and materialize whatever it is that you're doing in some way. If you're selling a book, write a sample chapter and make it available as a free download. Um, if you you know same thing with something audio based uh, if you're if you're painting something you know put a print up of it online you know, we saw Sarah do something up like you know for example we have that that cartoon the 15 principles on a unmistakable standard and it's like 
Gisera says, why don't we turn this into a poster? I'm like, oh, that seems easy enough. Why don't we just turn it into a poster? I mean, that's a 30-second, you know, it's like, hey, buy this product through our, our sponsor sells, and you're good to go. I mean, it's just stuff like that. I think it's it's all about your bias towards action. Um, that's one of the most useful things that has served me. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm a victim of, of wasting time just like everybody else, you know. I mean, I, I looked at how much time I spent on Facebook last week, and I was like, oh, that's horrifying. What a, you know, what a disaster. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, but the thing is that I also have this just drive. It's like, you know, I kind of know where I want to get to and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Um, and that's, and, I, and I'm willing to do it at almost any cost uh, as long as nobody else gets hurt or is, you know, damaged by it. Right. I love it. Do you have time for a bonus question? I just thought about yeah. one more. Yeah, sure. Um, Always for you. <laughs> oh, you're so awesome. Seriously. I love that. I, I have you on my speed dial now. <laughs> like, I get to talk to this guy when I want to. But um, anyway, uh, to kind of go back to one of the first things we were talking about, I, I want to make sure we cover this. We were talking about like the artist versus the uh, you know engineer, mm -hmm. but then obviously the, the entrepreneur as well. So uh, I guess the final question for you is how are you balancing that? How does one balance being an artist, an engineer, or you know even an entrepreneur? Because I feel like sometimes all of these different things kind of um, it's, it's hard to juggle, it's hard to manage, uh, especially sure. when you're trying to make money, but that's not, at the same time you're mm -hmm. trying to make something that is of impact and maybe sometimes you won't make money in that process. Yeah, that's, uh, I wish there was one concrete answer to that. Um, I think that there's sort of, in my mind, it's like, okay, what do you have to do in order to put food on the table? And, you know, and, and you may have to do that longer than you want to do it. I mean, I still do a little bit of freelance work. Uh, I, I do it for one client, um, and, and it's fortunately, you know, not very time-consuming and somewhat lucrative, so it works. But uh, I mean, I, de I don't want to be doing it. It's not, it's not in line with the core of what I want to do ultimately. So that's one thing you have to think about. Okay, well, there's the money you have to make to keep the lights on. Um, but I mean, in terms of balancing sort of the artist and, and the mechanic and the artist and the engineer, uh, I think you have to to look at what you're doing and you have to say, okay, uh, have I taken the mechanics so far that now I'm just catering to the lowest common denominator? Um, have I just mimicked what I saw uh, working somewhere else and have I just copied a formula? Because here's the thing about a formula, right? A formula is designed to create the same thing over and over again. Like, you know, so for example, let's use a very uh, an example that'll be more tangible and make sense, right? Some scientist at Coca-Cola comes up with a formula for Coke. Well, guess what the formula is supposed to do? Not create, you know, strawberry, creamsicle, you know, rainbow, whatever soda. It's supposed to create Coke. And guess what it does? Over and over again, it creates Coke. Hundreds of thousands, probably millions of bottles and cans of Coke. Does Coke taste any different anywhere you've had it in the world? Maybe slightly but it's the same product with the same logo. And so if you try to do that with your art, it's not really art anymore. Wow. <laughs> You've rendered me speechless. I've well, because... been known to do that lately. <laughs> No, because quickly, there's there's a lot of that going on. I mean, yeah. you, you and I have talked quite a bit before, you know, in our respective communities, but even with each other about this whole mimicry thing that's going on. And, and I think, you know, like we've both agreed before, I do feel like it can 
hurt and damage those who really do want to create art or who really do want to make an impact in the world. Um, and, and the pale imitation of, of those types of artists are um, giving people this false perception that it is an overnight, you know, you can, you can be an overnight success. It is that quick. There is a simple, you know, magic pill to swallow or a simple formula to follow. And um, I think the reality is, at least from my experience, it takes hard work. Um, and to endure the extra mile in order for you to get to that point where you finally reach the success and that you see everything that you wanted to manifest. And I feel sorry and I feel, I feel sad for some of these people who, who think otherwise. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it kind of makes me think of somebody like AJ, right? Um, why do we love what he does? You can't get that anywhere else. Nobody does what AJ does. You know, nobody, you can't really produce, there's no misfit formula for how to brand something. You know, it's like, here's the misfit guide to personal branding. They don't do stuff like that because why would they? You know, I mean, it's so funny. Like, AJ came to our conference and he looked at me and he said, damn it. He said, dude, really? He's like, you illustrated every single name tag personally? Like, we <laughs> personally, because I mean, they did, you know, theirs with their misfit logo. And I said, well, where do you think we learned from? We just had to add our, our variation to it. So we had Sarah do one personalized for every single attendee. And he was like, damn it. You know? <laughs> and so it's this ongoing joke of how, do, how are we going to outdo each other every single year with our creative elements? And that's, that's sort of a fun way of looking at it, right? Like, we look at each other, we're inspired by each other, we don't copy each other. We're like, okay, that's, that's cool. Let's see how we can take what you've done and let's do it better, you know, or, or diff, you know, let's keep chat, let's push each other to, to, you know, keep growing with, with our creative elements. I mean, and they, I mean, they, you'll see when you go to Fargo, they take it to a whole other level when it comes to detail. And, you know, we learned it, but we brought our flavor to it. Um, and that's, that's, that's the part, right, that, that's missing from, from that is that people seem to think that, hey, if you don't bring your flavor to it, you can still succeed. And it's like, no. Uh, it's just, it's not going to work. And there's more to bringing your flavor to it than, you know, a name and a, a you know, um, and a website. There's a lot more to it. You know, I mean, we don't, we don't look at what other people do very often. Uh, we just, we don't. Like, I don't look for best practices. I mean, I went into a best practices meeting at LinkedIn and I told them best practices are nonsense. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. How the, did they I, like that? <laughs> well, I was the opening for the meeting. I said, I'm probably going to derail your whole meeting, but I think best practices are basically, uh, you know, it, it takes us back to that whole formula thing. Um, so I, I really, I think that that's, it's, you know, Seth Godin actually has an article about it on his blog today about link bait. And he says, you know, there's this guy and he's just slowly, you know, just deteriorating the quality of his work. Um, and that's, that was so true. I mean, it really, um, it made me think so much of, of everything, you know, it's, it's what we call the principles of an unmistakable standard. Um, and that's, that, I love that article uh, because it was the truest thing I've seen online uh, in the last few weeks. And it's like, and I, you know, I can, it's like, okay, you're really going to write a five ways to do this blog post? Give me a break. Nobody wants to read that. And so. Oh, gosh. You know, Srini, I am so thankful that you didn't take my advice and other people's advice when we told you, please don't change the name of Block SFM. I'm so glad you didn't listen because so much has happened uh, since then. The evolution of the podcast and even the events that you've been wanting to do for some time now. I couldn't be more excited for you. I'm so excited to see where everything goes. Um, with that said, let's close out by having you share what you're working on now and how people can get you in your work. Yeah, um, well, you know, the the thing that happens right after an event, especially if it's a big success, is people are like, so when's the next one? It's like, you're asking when my next wedding is. Uh, so that's, so Instigator Experience 2015. Um, oh, 
this is actually now you're going to give me an opportunity to sell. Woohoo! Uh, Let's do this. Uh, so this is actually probably you know this is the first place I've actually mentioned it publicly. Uh, we're going to be starting a, a monthly live event series called the Unmistakable Salon, uh, which will be in different cities around the United States, uh, where we'll be doing what we do on the Unmistakable Creative, but live in person with a Q and A and interactive element on stage and probably some performance element. Uh, and our first uh, Unmistakable Salon is actually in L.A. Uh, with Justine Musk on June 21st. Uh, the Eventbrite page will be out pretty soon. So. Cool. Well, where can other where can people find your work right now before uh, the unmistakablecreative.com. Sweet. So. All right, Srini. Well, I've taken enough of your time. Thank you so much for imparting wisdom on us uh, and being better sellers in this connection economy. Um, congratulations again on all your success, and I know I'll have you back on. I know we've got something going on too, something brewing with Ashita Gupta and Vasavi Kumar. So it's going to be a oh. a nice brown uh, event for <laughs> for the Shut Up Show community. But uh, thank you again. It's been such a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Shut Up Show. The Shut Up Show is sponsored by The Amazing Sells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. Seriously simple selling. Get instant access to download a free copy of our 18-page ebook, The Solopreneur's Guide for Shutting Up and Making Shit Happen. Simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com slash subscribe and join other brave entrepreneurs who are shutting up and making shit happen. If you believe in the Shut Up Show and this platform has helped you shut up and make shit happen, please head on over to iTunes, search for the Shut Up Show in the podcast section, and leave us an honest star rating and review. Your feedback will help us to gauge what we're doing well and where we need to continue to improve. The ratings and reviews help us to continue to bring on amazing sponsors like Cells so that we can deliver weekly episodes to you for free. So your feedback does matter. Thank you for helping us and supporting us.